On today's Believe in Chicago sports podcast, we break down Monday night's matchup between the Rams and Bears with Ryan Dyrude, host of the Believe in LA football podcast and founder of the LA Football Network. Afterward, we react to Ryan's thoughts on the matchup and more. It's coming your way on episode 13 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for the best Chicago sports talk. I'm Joey Gellman. You can follow me on Twitter at TweetJoeyGellman. He is Dan Collins. You can follow him at TweetDanCollins. We are part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. You can follow the show now on Twitter, Believe in Chicago, at Believe in Chicago. Dan, it is Bears, it is Rams, and we are excited to welcome in our L.A. football expert. He is on Twitter at Ryan Dyrude LAFB. He is Ryan Dyrude, founder and CEO of L.A. Football Network. He hosts Believe in L.A. Football on the Believe Podcast Network, and he's joining us now to preview some Bears football as they take on the L.A. Rams on Monday Night Football. Ryan, how are you? Fellas, what's going on? Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on and calling me an expert. That always, that, that always sounds nice, so thank you. You've earned it. No, we haven't <laughs> asked you one question, and you've already earned it. There you go. Well, good. Well, yeah, happy to talk uh, Rams and Bears. It should be a good time. So I guess starting off, you know, we're, we're, we're at that point in the season where you're starting to figure out who are these good teams and bad teams, and just generally, so far, what is your assessment of the LA Rams. Yeah, you know, that's a good question because they're a team that uh, has looked really, really good in some instances and then looked pretty poor in others. Uh, obviously, coming off a tough loss to division rival Niners uh, just last week. And, and you kind of ask yourself, are these these good moments? Are they because they came against the NFC least, all four, playing all four teams right at the beginning of the season? Those are their four wins. Um, or are they actually a truly good team? And I, I think it's more the latter. I think they are a good team. They're well coached. Um, they're kind of getting back to what they were doing in 2018 with a balanced attack on offense. You know, on all those four games they won, they towed the rock 30 times on the ground. Uh, and the games they lost, they they did it less. So I think that's their bread and butter. They got to run the ball. It opens up the play action. It, it gets Jared Goff more comfortable and just open things up for Sean McVay's scheme. Um, the defense, I think, has looked uh, very, very good at some times, and it has looked very what we more expected. That was kind of the big question mark coming in this year was first time, who you guys might know fairly well, Brad, Brandon Staley as our D coordinator, who was uh, the linebacker coach for the Bears under Vic Fangio just two years ago. Um, so a lot, there was a lot of unknown there, what he would implement, if, he, if it would look like a Vince Fangio defense, if there'd be some wrinkles thrown in. They lost a lot of big-name guys, didn't really sign anyone other than another guy you might know, Leonard Floyd, but you know they let Dante Fowler walk, they let Corey Littleton walk, they cut Clay Matthews. Um, so other than like, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald is a very different looking defensive unit and they've had games like against Washington. I can say what you want about Washington who's had their own struggles, but when you hold a professional football team to 108 total yards, I think that says something about your defense that they did a very good job and they've, they've shown flashes of that. And even in games where they, they got off to slow starts, they countered in the second half, even just last week, looking very poor against the Niners, giving up 21 points in three straight drives, but in the second half, only gave up three points. So it's like they're making those adjustments, they're doing good things. So in a long roundabout way, Joe, to answer your question, I think this is a, a good 4-2 and two team, but I think we need to see them get tested by some good teams to really say how good they are. But I think they're a top-tier, top-half team. You mentioned those four wins against 
whatever the heck that is over in the NFC East going <laughs> yeah, on. Is over it a there. division or what's happening? <laughs> Who knows? What is it? The, 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 oh, the Washington football team is what? One way away, one win away from leading the division or one win away from getting the first overall pick. Yeah. Ryan, I guess to you, you, you look at those four, those four victories with the four and two record. And how are you sizing up this matchup against the Bears? Don't want to jump the gun too quickly here. Hopefully on our side, uh, you know, the Bears come out with a victory. But how are you rating that game? Is it, you know, obviously it's a, it's an NFC opponent outside the East. Is this more of a, of a statement game potentially coming up because of where the Bears are at with their 5-1 record and where they stand leading the NFC North? Or how would you rate this game going in? You know, the Bears are uh, an interesting team. I was on a uh, another show a few days ago, and we were talking about are, and I, I don't mean this in any disrespect, I'm sure you guys have even talked about it, but are they the worst five and one team in the NFL? Just because you look at the, how they've won games, you know, the the whole Mitch Trubisky, uh, Nick Foles at quarterback, but, but the thing I've kind of concluded to after watching more film and kind of talking about it a lot is good football teams win games regardless of how they win regardless of what the stat sheet says they win games and the bears are doing that so they are a good football team at this point in the season coming at five one and will be a very good test for the los angeles rams and and this is the third time they will play in three years so the trilogy if you will uh the bears winning the first matchup where vic fangio basically exposed this ram offense and gave a blueprint of how to beat them and then last year the rams able to pull off a win when they went back to the running game you know Jared Goff only threw the ball 18 times and they, they were able to, to squeeze out a victory. So this is the third matchup. And, and I think it should be a very good one. It should be a close, hard fought game. Um, I'm sure we'll get into more of, of matchups and, and predictions, but just off the bat, I do personally think the Rams are a better team, not by a long shot, but I think overall, when you just look, you know, hat for hat, I think they're overall better. The, the bears are certainly better at certain aspects, but, but, uh, overall, I think it's just gonna be a really good game excited for it. Uh, and, and to answer your question, yeah, I think it could be a good statement win. you know, when you play a five and one football team, regardless of what people are saying in the national media or what fans outside of Chicago or, or their respective fan bases think they're a five and one football team. And if you can put a victory over that, that's going to hang well, uh, not only for fans, but also for building morale among your team after beating a good team after your other four wins came against a, a collective unit of like three victories. So, so they need this win to show that they truly are a contender and not just beating up on bad teams. I know the bears offense has been, I don't know, nothing to write home about. It's what all we complain about here in Chicago, but for for a team in the Rams that has that Vic Fangio protege now at D coordinator, who's seen everything this Bears team has to offer, how big of an advantage do you think that is for the Rams heading into this game? You know, I, that's a good question. I think there's always, it seems like every, I won't say week, but every time, every matchup where there's an ex coach or an ex player and, you know, everyone likes to make, a, a thing about it like oh he's going to give away their secrets or but i mean matt Nagy's is a smart guy i think he's going to know to like call some different sets they're going to change up obviously they're often their you know line of scrimmage calls that nick Foles is calling out so how much really will that benefit the rams and considering brandon Staley went to denver after that and now with the rams so things just in that year have changed a lot but i think it certainly is something that you know will, will be beneficial I guess to the Rams just being Staley that was there and does know some little intricacies maybe even though the teams do look a little different than they did when he was there but but I think more so it's just how well this Rams defense can play and how well Aaron Donald is and how dominant he can be now if you're a Bears fan you want to see the Bears take a, a, a blueprint of what the Niners did and how they were able to neutralize Aaron Donald and really run all over this Rams front seven um, so I know they run a very different offense than what Nagy and, and the Bears do but if they can you know sprinkle in some of those 
those things, they may find some success. Because if not, I think this Rams defense will be able to kind of handle that. That you know, you, you've had some turnstile issues at offensive line and stuff of of that, and haven't been able to get the run game going. And if that's the case, I don't think you. I, I think you would agree. You don't want to see Nick Foles dropping back thirty foot, thirty foot, thirty five plus times a game. <laughs> if I can say it. I hope somehow Matt Nagy listens to this and just just hears that, hey, maybe you need to run the football. <laughs> and Ryan, you, you, you call Coach Nagy a smart guy. I think here in Chicago, we're still trying to figure out just how brilliant he is in terms of the play calling, the offensive mm. play calling. But what do the besides trying to, like you said, neutralize Donald and run the ball, which I think Joey and I are convinced probably unfortunately won't happen on Monday night. They, they probably won't stick with it if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If the Bears and Matt Nagy do what they do all the time on offense, which is go to the run and then just go away from it, what are some other ways potentially they could put some points on the board? Are there any other ways if the Bears decide to go away from the run again? Are there any other ways they can attack this Rams defense and put up some points? I mean, you're you're, and this is no disrespect to Allen Robinson, who's maybe one of the most unra- underrated uh, receivers in the game. I think him and Keenan Allen do not get the respect they both deserve. The other LA team I cover. Um, but I just think that the Rams secondary who would, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, Darius Williams, the safeties are phenomenal. John Johnson, Taylor Rapp. So I think if if they're going to go away from the run, their best bet is going tight end. You know, you've seen a, almost a resurgence in uh, Jimmy Graham there in Chicago. I mean, resurgence is too uh, blushing of a word, but he's had some some decent stats and, you know, put up some touchdowns finally, uh, got in the end zone. And that's where the Rams have their biggest suspect is at the in, inside linebacker position, which you still see in today's NFL linebackers lining up on tight ends. I don't get it. I think you need to put safeties or corners, whether or not there's a size difference. It's just their tight ends are too athletic to say a linebacker to cover. But if the Rams decide to do that, I think that's what you could expose just because those inside linebackers for the Rams are definitely the weakest spot for them. And that being said, that's how you get the run game going too, is attacking those inside linebackers. Um, but if they don't do that, if Matt Nagy doesn't do that, I think, and you know, all due, all due respect, I think it could be a long day for this bears offense uh, to really try to get anything going just because outside of those inside backers, the, the Rams defense is very, very good at every position. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, and unfortunately the bears this year have, become too one-dimensional with the pass game, and then they always look to Allen Robinson. you got to get those other pieces going if you want a chance. And, and you're, you're telling everyone the flaw. It's like everyone knows there's that flaw in the Death Star. Go attack it. you got to mm-hmm. attack that if you're the Bears. And I just I, I hope they can actually adapt and think this through and realize we got to adjust to what the Rams are showing us and take advantage, not just stick to this script. And if it doesn't go well, then everything's thrown out to which the bears do a lot of weekends <laughs> <laughs> well and it's so interesting considering matt Nagy's a an andy reed disciple and that's like andy reed's specialty or at least it has been of late mm-hmm. is what he does in his offenses and attacking defense's weaknesses and you would think matt Nagy would take that recipe and from what i've watched since he's been there and you guys know much better than me but that doesn't seem to be the case how much do you trust the rams to kind of tailor you know the game plan going into the bears against what basically every team's bread and butter should be going against the bears just do your best not to turn the ball over because if there's one thing the Bears defense could do, it's that and keep us in the games. And we hear this way too often against teams in the NFL. It used to be just make Mitch Trubisky play quarterback. Well, now mm-hmm. we have Nick Foles in our center, but is that still kind of the plan? I mean, it sounds like it is because, like you said, no disrespect to Nick Foles, but if he's dropping back 35-plus times, you're probably not looking in a good situation. So do you think that's exactly what the Rams are going to do is try to make it to where – 
yep, just stop this run early on. And then, you know, we'll expect Matt, Matt Nagy to have Foles drop back 30 plus times. And then on, on offense, maybe don't be as aggressive and just do your best to not turn that ball over. And you should be in a pretty good position against these bears. It seems like that's the key to victory, really. Yeah, it seems like that. And, and just speaking on the Rams, I mean, they're they're their best when they're running a balanced attack. So uh, it, it's, you know, it goes overstated, at least here in L.A., but the how good the play action is for the Rams offense, how much better Jared Goff is outside of the packet, outside of the pocket when he's rolling out, when he's doing bootlegs, when they're running off of play action. And they only are successful that when you establish the run game. And in those two losses they had, they kind of similar to what you guys say with Matt Nagy, Sean McGay, who everyone loves out here in L.A. and rightfully so. I think he's one of the great coaches in the league and he'll be here for a long time. But he does sometimes the same thing where he has almost a, I'm not saying a panic mode, but they'll drop down by three points and all of a sudden they'll start throwing six, seven, eight straight times. And it's like, you're running the ball fine. Just stick with it. So so for the Rams too, if as long as they stick to that, and like I said earlier, if they tote the rock 30 plus times, then that's their recipe. And, and obviously it's going to do the exact same that you were just saying. It's going to keep the ball out of the Bears' hands. They're not going to turn it over. Uh, and then they can just get after Nick Foles if, if he has to drop back a bunch of time to play catch up. So um, yeah, you, I mean, you laid it out, but for the Rams, that that is their actual offensive system if they're running it correctly is, is very well balanced. You want a 50-50 attack, rush pass, uh, and then that, in turn, opens things up for that big play, whether you have a seam route with Cooper Cup, whether you get the tight ends involved, who I think could be the X factor in this game, whether it be Gerald Everett or Tyler Higbee. Uh, but as long as you get that run game going early, then I think this Rams offense will be able to be a lot more productive as opposed to what we saw in years past when Todd Gurley had 14 yards and Jared Goff was dropping back 50 times a game. So so that's not what they want to do either. And you mentioned Goff as a big part of that, of, of balancing that offense, I guess. And, and I'm curious now as we we've gotten along, we're we're past the Super Bowl year, we're past the the time of giving Goff his extension. What's kind of the the love level, I guess, for for Jared Goff in LA as the guy that's supposed to lead you to the to the promised land? Because I feel like outside of Los Angeles, there's still a very mixed review on his status as ever becoming that elite passer. Yeah, that's a great question. I think even in Los Angeles, it's a very mixed bag. You have uh, fans that are, you know, diehard Goff doesn't get the respect. And you have fans saying, well, he hasn't proven anything. Like, yeah, he puts up good numbers here and there, but yada, yada, down the line. Now, I'll be the first to say I, I'm not a by any means a, a Jared Goff apologist, but I do think he gets slighted nationally and doesn't quite get the credit he does deserve. Uh, he's not, guys. He is not a top three, top four. He never will be. He'll never be Russ Wilson, never be Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. He's not a guy that when the when the going gets tough, if you're down 10 points, where you can truly put the game on his back and expect him to take over a game. However, if you game plan correctly, you have the right pieces around him. He has tremendous arm talent. He's super accurate. He makes good decisions. He's more, much more mobile than people give him credit for. Um, so he's a top half quarterback in this league, which really is what you need to ask for. I mean, every, every fan base wants the number one, number two, number three quarterback. But if you have a top 15 quarterback, you should be very happy with what you have. And Jared Goff is that, in my opinion. He can certainly lead you on on game-winning drives. Just needs to have the pieces, the game plan, the system correctly, which I know is kind of a a bugaboo word. People hate saying, oh, system quarterback, like it's a bad thing. But if the system's built for you and you're good in it, I mean, Tom Brady's made a career being quote unquote assistant quarterback when he played so well in, in that same Patriot system for his entire career. So, and that's not to slight, you know, Tom Brady at all, but just a, a comparison that what a system quarterback can do if utilized correctly. And that's what Goff is. So I think, uh, he does get a bad rap, um, 
but he's not a guy that's going to take over a game. He just needs to be, you know, game plan correctly, but he can certainly win you games and do things uh, very well in this league. And I think he's a top 15 guy, a fun stat for you guys uh, that a lot of people won't know last year. He was the third ranked quarterback in completion percentage and completions uh, attempted and completed outside of the pocket. You know, most guys don't think he's a mobile athletic guy. The only quarterbacks ahead of him, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. So so pretty interesting, a guy that's not quote unquote mobile, but he's the third in the league in uh, outside the pocket efficiencies. So that's where he's great at. And I expect to see a couple of good throws from that uh, this Monday night. Ryan, I'm sure you know this. The Bears haven't had a good quarterback since maybe ever in the history of the <laughs> fan. I mean, you go, what, Sid Luckman? I mean, even the guy who won us a Super Bowl, McMahon, not all that great. Um, yeah. And I'm just curious because we're, we're going here in Chicago. We're going back and forth with Trubisky and Foles. Maybe Foles is going to be the savior. Maybe he's not. You mentioned even in L.A., a guy like Jared Goff still somewhat gets a little bit of a bad rap. What do you think come season's end? Do you think he'll do enough this year? toward the end to kind of not have such a bad rap, at least locally over there in LA, or do you still see it maybe with the way the trend's going? Is there really not too much he could do with just the quarterback he is that can ever really erase that? Unless it's of course going out and winning a Super Bowl or something like that. Mm -hmm. But come regular season's end, what do you think the read is on your guys' quarterback over there in LA? You know, un- unfortunately, I think just because of the type of quarterback he is, it's one of those that every year it's going to, I don't want to call it a hot seat because he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's the, he's the franchise guy. I know that the, the team and the franchise is behind him fully, but he's a guy every year is going to be scrutinized by, by fans and media. Just, I don't want to, if it's because of the style he plays or if it's because he was one of the first guys to sign that huge quarterback contract. Now he's, you know, fifth or sixth in the league where he was first for a little while. Uh, and as soon as guys sign this contract, it kind of puts them in a, uh, on a pedestal, if you will, of, of comparing to other QBs. But, you know, I don't think it's fair, but that's just kind of the way it is just because of the, I think the style he plays. And because I said, he's not a guy that's going to take a game completely over. Um, but again, I don't think he has to. I mean, if you have a top 15 quarterback, you should be able to put guys around him to be successful in this league. And, and I think the Rams have done that decently this year and they'll continue to do that. They have obviously their own kind of cap issues to figure out, but, um, yeah, to answer your question, I don't know if he'll ever fully, unless he does go out and win a Super Bowl, dominate, win MVP. Um, but I think every year he'll kind of have that little magnifying glass on him. But, but you know, to, to that too, I think generally the LA fan base is behind Goff, you know, over, I wouldn't say overwhelmingly, but, but definitely a more positive than negative, but there's definitely those, those negative Nancy's that like to look elsewhere. And especially now that the other LA team has their, their quarterback in Justin Herbert, who comes out and looks fantastic in four games. Granted hasn't won, but he's looked like a guy that can put a game on his back. So then you have all that comparison too in the city. So it's just, it's a fun time, but you know, he's the guy, he'll be the guy for a while, but unless he goes out and, and dominates the Super Bowl and wins an MVP, I don't know if he'll ever get that magnifying glass off him. Yeah, if we thought quarterback controversy was bad in this city, can you imagine if we had two? Like, if yeah. both teams had two, <laughs> but they also had the futility of the Bears for 100 years, and it was just this constant battle of suckage under center. <laughs> yeah, oh, Thank God you guys have a nice one. Talking about the two teams in L.A., now that you've had a couple of seasons under your belt with both of these teams there, what's kind of the the feel in LA for, for, for NFL football. I know college football is massive, but for NFL football, I know it's come and gone, um, before has the city embraced these teams as you would hope they would. And is that just going to continue to grow as the teams obviously get a little more success? 
Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think they have. I, I really, I mean, this can be said for a lot of things in our lives, but it's unfortunate this COVID all thing happened because I would have really liked to seen the display of LA football in this brand new, amazing stadium, which I've been to in SoFi, which is just a marvel in itself. But, but I think uh, it, both teams knew specifically the chargers, but we won't get too much into them, but both teams knew coming here was going to be a long-term build. Uh, it wasn't like a team going to like the Raiders going to Vegas where they had only one of their professional sports team and they were just instantly and the Raiders have a big fan base anyway, but no matter what team would have gone to Vegas, they're going to be an instant success story because there's just fans starving for sports there. LA had 12 other teams before these teams even came here in professional sports. If you include soccer and college and, and if you include women's sports, you have 13. They, I mean, it's just a huge market. And so they knew it was going to be a long play. It was going to be a grind. But little by little, they've continued to build, continued to grow. They've done things in the community. Uh, you kind of have the L.A. Chargers kind of taking a stronghold more so in Orange County. The uh, L.A. Rams are more of a stronghold in Los Angeles. Obviously, there's bleeding over and stuff like that. But that kind of seems to be where the home bases are. Um, but, yeah, they, I think they've done well and they've grown. And, and they'll just continue to grow. And once fans are allowed in that stadium and allowed to experience that game day uh, setting experience, it's just going to it's just going to grow it that much more. So uh, it, it, it's a long term play. But overall, I think it's going to be it, it's definitely a market that can have two teams. Um, and, and the t- both teams, especially if they can start winning, which the Rams are doing right now, the Chargers need to get on that. Um, it's only going to help them even more, especially in a market where we're seeing the Lakers just won a championship, the Dodgers in the world series. It's a town of winners. And, uh, if you don't win, people move on pretty quick. Yeah. Still a little jealous. Your, your baseball team is still playing baseball, but sticking actually, I'm, I'm a little mm-hmm. curious, sticking a little bit more to that point. You know, no matter what, I, I guess sometimes it could go 50-50 in this city where no matter how bad the Cubs are, it'll still always be a baseball town. No matter what, they could go 0-162 and it's always a baseball town. Some people will argue otherwise. They'll say beers could go 1-15 every year and they'll still, the Chicago's still a football town. Where do you think, because like you said, you have the Lakers and LeBron over there, Dodgers in the World Series, and you know Rams are still trying to get their footing as long as with the Chargers. They're trying to put their footprint down in that city. If you fast forward around 10 years from now, Who's going to be the the main the main team in that city? Will it still be the Dodgers, the Lakers? I I think, and I, I don't want to sound biased because I'm a football guy, but I think it could easily be one of these football teams. Uh, the fact that these teams are really going after a young fan base because that, that's the thing too. You know, people look at ticket sales. They look at you know we have these things called PSLs out here, license for like the seats for season ticket holders mm-hmm. and how those are selling, and and everyone kind of looks at those sales number and that's how they base a fan base nowadays. You know, it's all money and numbers. Uh, but that's not that doesn't build longevity, right? That just builds your your numbers for right now. So they're marketing to these to these middle schoolers, to these high schoolers that in five to ten years are going to be the ones buying these tickets. And if you look at middle schoolers and, and, and just again, I agree with you. I think Chicago is kind of a baseball town in in their own regard, just because of the history there and the, the historicness of it. And the Dodgers are huge here. But just when you look at sports in general. The NFL is so much bigger than Major League Baseball right now as as a whole spectrum. And I think when you look at young kids, they would much rather enjoy watching football than baseball. And I, you can't speak for everyone, of course. But just saying that I think the fact that both the Chargers in L.A. are building that through that way, certainly in 10 years, this could be a football town. I think the Lakers will always have a great strength, stronghold, too, just because of how well the NBA markets and how well uh, that this the star ability is out here and you're always gonna have star players in that team. But, but I wouldn't be shocked at all. If the Dodgers are, are third and fourth and maybe that's just cause I'm not a baseball guy. So maybe I'm more biased than that, but, but yeah, I could certainly see football continue to rise here. Cause right now it's probably behind both the Lakers and Dodgers, but I wouldn't be shocked if one of those teams jumped in sometime soon. You got to so, win too, though. 
That's for sure. So if there's all that love, why is there always this, the stereotype of the L.A. fan not really caring about their teams? You know, it's another good question. I, I So I grew up in Denver, so my fanhood is is to Denver sports. And Denver is, is similar in Chicago that it's it's a diehard sports town. I mean, we love our Broncos. Our Rockies are awful every year, minus, you know, a couple good years in there. Um, we love our Avalanche, love our Nuggets, and it's just a diehard sports town. L.A., it's just a different breed in L.A. You know, there's the, there's the almost annoying, overstated statement that there's just so much to do in LA. So like if you're not going to go pay to watch a losing team, cause you can do other things, but it's, it's true in a sense. And I, I don't think that necessarily that's easy. It's an easy narrative to paint that, Oh, they're just bad fans. But in reality, they could still be diehard fans. They just may not be spending their money on that because they're going to spend their money doing something of not watching a losing team. Um, but I, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's just a, a, it's a tough town to play in because you have to be good just because of all those things to do. But when you are good, it's one of the best fan bases in all of sports just, you know, because of how loyal they are. It just doesn't show up necessarily in, in the, in the stands when you're bad, but I think it is a good fan base and one that will continue to grow. And, and especially now too, with everything that's been going on in our world, I think people realize how much they miss sports and need sports and love sports and, and it, it brings communities together and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I just think it'll continue to grow out here. Well, Ryan, I guess we reached that time to uh, ask ask one of the most popular questions during this type of interview, and this Monday night matchup against the Bears and Rams. Who's going to be victorious, and why? Well, I think it's going to be a good game, guys. I, I do like Chicago in certain aspects. You guys have a tremendous defense. I feel like you don't really have a weakness on that defense. I was looking, you know, watching film, looking over uh, your depth chart, and you know, from top to bottom, it's a pretty pretty solid unit. Even after losing a lot of guys, losing you know D coordinators, but Chuck Pagano, I think, has done a good job over there. Uh, and doing well. You know, the offense is a different story. You know, we talked about a little bit. Uh, so when you look at it, just overall hat to hat, I do like the Rams in this game. I just think overall they're a better better football team. I think the Bears are a good team. Um, you know, they correct some things. Uh, I think they can be a really good team and actually I know they're leading right now, but truly compete for that division, uh, which is a very stout division. But I just think on paper and on the actual field, the Rams are a better team. Um, so I do take this in this one because they have that, you know, bad taste in their mouths after a really bad uh, game in San Francisco last week. So they're going to want to bounce back. Uh, but I think it'll be close for most of the game. I just think the Rams will pull away in the end. And I, I like, uh, you know, if I'm going to give a score prediction, I'll say 24 to 14. So not a blowout, but not a super high scoring game either. Keeping that Bears offense at that beautiful average number of 14 <laughs> just right? makes us smile. Oh, man. Well, we hope you're wrong, but um, you're allowed your opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is Ryan Dyerud. He hosts the Believe in L.A. football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, part of our family, covering the Bruins, the Trojans, the Chargers, the Rams, anything L.A. football. He's your guy. Also, um, founder CEO of the LA Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Dyrud, LAFB. Ryan, appreciate the time. We look forward to uh, having you on again soon and uh, talking some LA football. Hey, Dan and Joey, appreciate you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, thanking me and having you on, or having me on. And yeah, let's stay in touch and uh, talk soon. Welcome back. Dan Collins still here, moving things right along with my lovely co-host, Joey Gelman. Thanks once again uh, for Ryan Dyroud for stopping in, educating us a little more on some L.A. Rams and 
LA LA sports knowledge in general looks like uh, eventually, or according to him, Joey, the the Rams might be the talk of the town in ten plus years, no matter what. Move aside Lakers, move aside Dodgers, that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, you know what? The one thing that I definitely wanted to react to with that, Joey, is it's funny. You look at this Rams team. And one of the things I probably envy the most of this Rams team is their head coach, Sean McVay, and just his offensive innovation and just what he can do on the headset, making sure the offense is running as a, as, as a well-oiled machine or a good enough well-oiled machine. Um, and like Ryan said, if they're a 50-50 balance attack, they have a very good chance of not only beating the Bears, but beating a lot of other good teams out there. And what do you know? Sean McVay, known as one of the top offensive minds in all of football, arguably top five offensive mind in all of football, and he likes or the way for the Rams to to win the success of, for victory is a well balanced attack. Can we write this down? That you could be a good offensive mind, you could be innovative, and you could still run a well balanced attack between the pass and the run. Oh, you can. Just it's it's never been heard of in the city of Chicago this year. It's impossible to understand. It's like calligraphy. It's, it's, Egyptian it's, calligraphy. Saying, though. It's like, why not? Why can't we? I mean, you look at all the other good offensive teams around the league, too, you know, or, or all the other good offensive minds, the Shanahans, or you go over to Seattle and you see what Russell Wilson and his team are doing. They still run the football. And along the way, you're still going to find eventually a well-balanced attack. They don't necessarily go away from it. So what is it going into this matchup? And we said it last week, Joey, or as a matter of fact, we said it on last show. Why in the hell, out of all the teams to not run the ball against, you didn't run the ball against the Carolina Panthers, who arguably is the best opponent you're going to have all year in terms of your odds of succeeding with the run. And now after talking with Ryan and I'll agree with him, it seems like the best thing you're going to have to do here is do what a lot of teams do to Khalil Mack, neutralize him, try to make it to where he's not a game wrecker. If we want to try to do that with their top guy over there and Aaron Donald and neutralize him and try to make sure he doesn't wreck the game for the bears. Big way of doing that is running the football and doing it successfully. So we go into another week where, Hey, if you want to come out victorious here, you might want to run the football. And you know what? Maybe they will. For all we know, the Bears are going to run the ball 30 times on Monday Night Football. But for whatever reason, it's like whenever you talk to somebody and they're going over what success they have on offense is running the ball, and they're literally telling you one thing the Bears probably should do in order to succeed in this game is run the football. It gives me doubts going in as a Bears fan because it's like, oh, we're not going to really see any of that, are we? Or maybe we are. I don't know. Am, am I being too pessimistic here, Joey, or, or what is it? No, I just think you're being realistic based on the sample size we've seen. I, I think it's very simple. I think it's you, you, you know what can win you this game, and it's exploiting the defense up the middle, and like Ryan said, making the linebackers play the game of football, and you got to get through. And they're, they may not do that because they think their scheme in practice against their defense will work better than planning a schematic offensive attack against the team you're actually facing. And I don't know. I, I, I know you gave praise to McVay in the beginning. I feel like as good of an offensive mind as he is and a head coach, him and Nagy have a similar viewpoint 
on how to run an offense of it's their way or the highway and they pray the pieces fit. And even if they don't fit, it's not as easy to adjust and cater to their strengths. And I, I look at a deficiency last year and you can call it injury. You can call it different things that happen. But the fact that that team wasn't able to successfully implement Todd Gurley as well as they should have puts puts pause for me on a, on a Sean McVay. I'm not putting Gurley and David Montgomery in the same category, but it's the idea of you have a guy with a specific talent and you can't scheme around it. You you only stick to the scheme you think you want in fantasy land and that is detrimental to the progress of, of your team. This time going against the Rams one hundred percent doesn't doesn't feel any anywhere closely, you know, remotely close to how it was the last time we went up against the Rams. Why? Because a, a few things have changed along the way. One, we don't know what the hell. Oh, we do. Actually, we 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 discovered this on our last show. We do know what what we have with the Chicago Bears, but it we're so different. We're this five and one football team that potentially could be going down a really tough stretch of or we are going down a really tough stretch of games and. You have this L.A. team who four and two, but the only teams they've beaten are out of that whack division in the NFC East. We're still trying to figure out what the hell that division is over there. And it just has such a different vibe this time going up against the Rams. And it doesn't feel no matter win or lose that it's going to that you're going to take away too much from it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does, because they're. I don't know. As much as Ryan talked up the Rams, I still personally believe they're not in that upper echelon of teams this year. So whether you believe the Bears well, are or not. say that about the Bears at 5 Right, that's what I'm saying. So so whether you believe it about the Bears is a different point, but but it's still valid that I don't know if the, this Rams team is the biggest test. It's the, the, the biggest game you have upcoming. I mean, yes, the Saints are hard, but the biggest game is the Titans and then the Packers. Your matchups against the Packers can be any bigger, any more important Beat this year. Packers. Beat the Packers. And I know, like, if you're, like, an old-school guy, you want that, but it actually matters this year. So I I, I would have to agree with you. I, I think it, it it's funny. It's almost like the, the Bears and the Rams both need this game to prove they're good, but I don't know if it really counts for them, but it's because they've played such poor opponents to get them to where they are. They've both gotten good cushion from beating on crap teams. And I know you're supposed to do that, but it gives you a really weird analysis of where this team's at when the Rams have literally beaten the worst division of football. I, I don't think I've ever seen a division as bad as the NFC East, ever, in, in my years of watching football. I, I feel like I know the answer to your question because we've, we've been talking about it the past few episodes on the show. It's been one of the main points. But I'll still ask you anyways. I'm pretty sure come Monday night, you're going to be on your couch with the Bears gear, Hopefully not yelling and screaming at your TV too much. If you are, hopefully it's just cheers and you're jumping up and down for beers, touchdowns and whatnot. Don't know how many of those we'll see this Monday, but regardless, what is besides a beers victory? Of course, what's the number one thing Joey as a beers fan wants to see on Monday night football, maybe besides another Mandalorian trailer or something, but <laughs> that is what I'm looking forward to <laughs> besides that. And besides a beers victory, what's the number one thing you want to see come Monday night? A balanced offense that can score points. Like, I know I want to see the defense, of course, but that's kind of a given for me. I want to see an offense that 
as Nick Foles and Matt Nagy have said all this week and prior, of we know we're not good enough. We know you're going to ask us about that, and we oh, know we're gosh, not good enough, but we've got to be better. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't like that speech? I loved it. Not yeah, not to cut you off. I, I liked it a lot from Nick Foles. The thing is, we hear it over and over again, and I love the energy. I love just going out there and and you know having your coaches back and understanding your own flaws too. Like the the basic fan sees it, you know, sports writers see it, everybody sees it. But you say you're going to correct it. You are saying that it's a problem. You're saying that you're going to fix it. To me, it sounds like the easiest way to fix it. Just, just do it. You know, right. it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to hear you're sorry, or I don't want to hear. Just do it. You know, the actions speak louder than words. That's all I'm going to say. I didn't mind it. I thought it was a great rant by Nick Foles, or whatever you want to call it. That's fantastic. However, it just comes like say that Monday comes or the next few weeks come, and they don't fix it, then it's just. Just gonna be yawn. Big deal. <laughs> that, that whole round just yeah, sit down. Who cares? It, it's not going to mean anything unless they show it to us. Right. Which, turning the mic back over to you, my good friend, that's exactly what you want to see. Right. You 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 can't have a first half again that produces ten points or under. That's unacceptable yeah. to me. That you just can't do that. I don't care if it's Monday Night Football, the big stage. It's just it, it's it's another game. Where you're, you could be winning, but I, I, it's still yeah. unacceptable to me to have that point total of the half. Because Let's set expectations here, because we want to harp on Nagy for not doing the right thing as an offensive play caller, and we're we're asking for this more balanced attack and what have you. But let's just say they go a little more balanced. What are some realistic expectations? I'm trying to figure this out in my own head right now that we should have with this team moving forward, even if they do show us that they are indeed trying to correct this run. Like with the talent they have, you know, it kind of goes back to what Ryan was saying of with the talent we have with golf, you know, this is, this is basically still what the ceiling is on offense. I'm trying to figure out, and I guess maybe we just have to see this balanced, more balanced attack in action to, to answer, to better answer this question. But I'm almost trying to reset my offensive expectations, both, for the guys out there on the field and the man calling and the man calling the plays, Matt Nagy is what's a realistic expectation offensively that we can achieve here the rest of the year? Is it 17 to 21 points a game roughly? I mean, is that a realistic expectation and probably a number we're not going to succeed too much often? If you listen to the last episode of the show, you know my answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess at this point in the season coming up into this Monday night contest, yeah, Joey, I think I'm think I'm just trying to just reset my own expectations on this offense. Whether or not they do do what Negi and Foles are saying and correct this whole issue with the run game. Yeah, I think you're right in that range. I, I, I think it's I think it's a, a 21 point weekly output and 100 yards rushing. Yeah, doesn't have to result it's, in a touchdown. It's probably the best we could do. Right, and that's kind of sad, but it's true. I mean, I was well, that's to, where we're at. I know. It's like I was listening to other shows today, and and, and they're talking about how the idea of the Bears scoring thirty points is as if you're asking them to score a hundred, and like that's such a sad and real concept. I feel like I've heard that line going around this town though for like years, right? You know, like <laughs> it was it was probably it, well, it was worse. I don't even have to look up the stats, but 
it was worse in the Fox era, you know, of right course. before this Nick era. But so yeah, it's, it's been the running joke is asking this team to put up multiple touchdowns a game just sounds like a hard ask. And I guess it's just going to be the same way it's been all year. You know, we said on the last show is that you're going to be strapped in every contest unless the Bears get blown out. Because even if the Bears come out of this come out of this Monday night football contest victorious, it's going to be pretty damn close, I bet you. <laughs> unless oh, yeah. we get unless we get multiple pick six or a fumble recovery on the 10-yard line again like unless crazy things happen on the defensive side of the football for the Bears that just result in points after points, which if we win, that might actually even be the case. Um, we, we know there's only so much we're going to see from this offense. And, hey, maybe Nick Foles goes out and throws four touchdowns and throws for over 350 That'd yards nice. on Monday. That'd be fantastic. How sustainable it is, I don't know. Maybe I should just shut up and stop being a pessimist already and just have fun with this Bears team. Um, yeah, this is, the toughest, this is the toughest matchup each of the teams has faced. So it, I, I think you're right in that it's bound to be close. Some people might say, no, it's the loss that the Rams had against the Bills. Maybe. Bills Mafia, baby. Ah, I don't true. know. true. <laughs> so, so that's probably what I'll give them. But whichever team wins, you could probably say it's their most impressive victory of the year. Unless you want to go back and you know talk about the Bears' victory over TB12. But who knows? I mean, there's still a long way to go. There, there's still plenty of way to go with, with this Bears team. And it's weird. I'm, I'm going we, – we asked Ryan what his prediction was. And once – as you can tell, I've just been thinking so long and hard about this game. I don't know where I stand in terms of my Bears confidence. If I'm going to sit here and say, yeah, I chalk me up for a Bears victory. I don't know. If there's one thing I can guarantee you, I will say this. I do not think the Rams are going to blow out the Bears. Watch them win 35-3 to on Monday. Um, but I don't <laughs> think they're going to blow out the Bears. And I think, we're, I think we will have the same consistent tune of it's going to be tight until the very end. Yeah, I mean, if, if if the Bears can score like twenty eight points, then you're fine. I, I'd be e- e- eagerly confident that that you'd be perfectly fine because they're not gonna, just it, one touchdown a quarter, right? That's point. all I ask, and it's not going to be a shootout because this defense can't allow a shootout. Like they just they're they're too good to to allow that. Well, but, according to his recent accolades, we do have an awesome kicker now in Kyra Santos. Hey, so. especially his player of the week. I mean, that's hilarious. Come on. We have we have ourselves a kicker. What do you mean? Come on. Are you not a fan? Oh, I'm a fan. Kyra Santos, baby. It's funny. <laughs> what that? Yeah, I get just like we're still sitting here and the kicker's still the one getting the headlines, not the offense. Yeah. Let's let's face it. Kicking has been an issue since the Robbie Gold debacle. Since they were, we've talked about this too. Since they were trying to figure out whether or not they let him go or not, then they do let him go, and then they try to replace him. Like it's, and then it became a gigantic <laughs> debacle when it was the reason we were knocked out of the playoffs a couple seasons back. But no need uh, to revisit that. But yeah, I'm, at least at least it's good things out of Hallis Hall in terms of the kicker, right? Would you rather be something bad? Come on, let's celebrate a little bit. All right, fine, I'll celebrate with you. Awesome. So, Joey, before we wrap this puppy up, uh, been a fun show. Um, what what do you have? I guess you know. I have to ask you. Go going into this Monday night matchup, tell all the Bears faithful out there. If there's anybody they're relying on, it's you, Joey, to go oh, on yeah. ahead and bring the, bring the optimistic side. Because I've been pessimistic all season, probably, or at least I've probably been the most pessimistic host uh, on this show with the Bears. But go ahead, Joey. Let your optimism flow. Although I don't want to, I don't want to persuade you. If you're going with the Rams, anyways, on this contest, because <laughs> I have a feeling maybe you were. 
Go for it. What are the beers? What are the beers faithful looking at this Monday night? I'm in between. I think you could easily. You too, huh? I th- I think you could easily see a Bears 24-10, 24-17 kind of win. That's close. Or they could easily score eleven points and you lose like twenty one to eleven. Like I I just don't know. Like because giving up three touchdowns isn't that much, but if you can't score and 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 combat it, you're you're toast. So I'll be your optimist. I'll say the Bears will win. Give it a, a 24-17, 24-10, 24-17 kind of kind of look. Uh, wow, that's cr- I'm, I was actually going to go. I was going to go Bears twenty one seventeen, but it's weird. Like there has to be a field goal in there somewhere too, right? Like somewhere along the way, the Bears do get that. Kyra Sanders got to keep his got to keep his play up. He's yeah. He's maybe he'll hit a fifty five yarder on Monday. Who knows? Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the Bears. Sure, I'll, I'll just throw out twenty one to seventeen. There you go. Just to go ahead um, and throw out a score. Um, so just let the record show. I'm predicting a close-knit contest so there we go uh well joey's a lot of fun like always and next time you hear of our voices we'll be recapping that monday night football game correct are we are we i should ask you are we pushing the show up uh for the should we let a programming note here are we going to hold off on our show to maybe a tuesday morning release due to Monday night football you vote yes okay you heard it here first folks that monday morning don't be on the lookout for a believe in chicago sports podcast show because we will be busy prepping for Bears football on Monday night and recap that for you. There we go. For Joey Gelman, who you could find on Twitter at Joey Gelman, I'm Dan Collins, who you could find on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. You could find the show on Twitter at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, in Chicago. You're listening to us now. We appreciate you enjoying the ear candy that we're providing you. If you want to listen to us in the future, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever the heck you listen to your podcast. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.